I see you, Mama. Changemakers, advocates, and professionals. Welcome to the I See You Mama podcast, all about maternal mental health. I am your host, Christina Delaney, and I am so excited to welcome Maureen Fura to the show today. Maureen is such a powerhouse. She has spent the last 10 years building key relationships with policymakers, advocates, leaders, survivors, scientists, researchers, providers, and families to close the gaps in maternal mental health care. She is a survivor of her own maternal mental health story and disorder that came on when she was pregnant in 2008. Um, She experienced firsthand the gaps in maternal mental health care when she sought treatment from 29 different providers before she got the help she needed. So she couldn't help but question, does this happen to other women? And this led her to create the first documentary film exposing the gaps in maternal mental health care in the United States. It was released in 2015. It's an award-winning film, Dark Side of the Full Moon, and it has been used as a catalyst around the country, ranging from state legislators, hospitals, universities, public health departments, and community organizations to ignite a movement of providing better mental health care to women during their pregnancy and postpartum period. Maureen was also one of the founding members of the National Coalition for Maternal Mental Health, and she was awarded their Advocate of the Year in 2017 for her efforts in bringing advocates to Washington, D.C. from around the country to lobby for policy changes. Through that, the Moving Out of the Shadows Act and its subsequent funding was realized. Maureen also superheaded the first national social media awareness campaign for maternal mental health, which takes place the first week of May every year. That's next week. She led that week for four years and it has reached over 10 million people. She also worked on the first World Maternal Mental Health Day with leaders from the UK, Spain, Turkey, South Africa, France, and Canada. She has worked closely with 2020 Mom, one of the leading maternal mental health organizations before starting her own business, Mom's Well with her business partner, Melissa. She continues to be a postpartum support international coordinator in Miami, Florida, where she works to connect local moms to support. As you can tell, Maureen is a powerhouse, and I am so excited to introduce you to her. So without further ado, please welcome Maureen. Welcome to the I See You Mama podcast. We're so excited to have Maureen Fura with us here today from Mom's Well. Um, she wears a lot of hats. She's done amazing things. Welcome, Maureen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. We are, this is the first podcast I've recorded since um, all the craziness of COVID. And so we are looking at each other on a screen um, instead of, you know, talking into a microphone, which is kind of exciting, kind of cool. Um, So let's talk about um, what got you started in the maternal mental health space. Great question. Um, I, um, I got pregnant um, about 11 years ago with my son and um, I had never had a mental health 
um, crisis in my life. I had maybe gone to a therapist three times. I, um, I, I never had any kind of issue. I didn't know looking back, I, I had anxiety. Um, but you don't know it until you're um, in it in a full blown crisis. So I was in a full blown crisis. I was five weeks pregnant. Um, and I was having intrusive thoughts of harming myself and they were really scary. And it um, went really fast. Within three days, I was in a severe depression. I couldn't be left alone. Um, I had called 911. My husband was working and I, I didn't know if I was going to go run and take pills. Um, it just got really scary really fast. And I didn't know what was happening. And I kept asking for help because I was pregnant. Um, so it was easier to say something's wrong. And I kept telling um, my doctors, I would say something's wrong. I'm not, I'm, I'm not myself. Um, and I remember that first OB appointment, this Persian doctor, she was a female poking around on my stomach and, um, she was like, so how are you doing? And my husband's sitting in the chair and I felt the crinkly paper underneath me. And I was so honest with her. I said, I don't feel like myself. I'm really sad. And, um, I, and at that moment, I, I think I'm, you know, asking for help and, um, she didn't skip a beat. I, she, it's like frozen in my head. She looked at me and she was like, you should be happy. You're having a baby. And I knew, I knew right there. I was like, okay, like I'm not going to get any help. Um, but I didn't stop asking for help uh, because it was such an emergency. And um, it took about six months for me to finally find good help. And I was told the most craziest things by therapists and um, OBs and doctors and psychiatrists. I had never been on medicine before. It was a really hard decision to get on medicine, um, but it was the best thing for me at that moment. So I started to um, get help uh, before my baby was born and um, eventually got better. And that's what got me into this sphere was that um, I was an educated woman. I was in graduate school. I was married. I had resources. Um, I knew how to advocate for myself and I still couldn't find help. And I told 29 different care providers that I was not okay. And I just kept thinking, um, is this just me? Um, and none of them had ever heard that it happened in pregnancy before. Uh, so that was really shocking. Like I, I just knew that I was allergic to progesterone. I was like allergic and something was wrong. Somebody needed to study me. Um, and so I haven't been able to let go of this. My brain's like a turtle. It's holding on to it um, because I just want it to make it better. And I just haven't hit that yet. And you have started to make it better. Um, I don't think I've known all about that. So it's amazing to, to hear that story. I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, I think when people start to reach out, I think it's so bitter, it's bitter, more bitter than it is sweet. Um, but after the fact, um, bitter that they went through it, but how sweet it is to know that they want to help. Um, and you're a powerhouse. You've done amazing things. Um, 
so how long did it take you after going through all that to want to do something about it? And what did you do? Um, so when my son was around six months old, I contacted Dr. Shoshana Bennett, um, who wrote postpartum depression for dummies. And I was like, I want to make a movie. I want to make a documentary. Um, I was fiddling around with cameras at the time and playing around at graduate school, making little marketing videos. And she said, yes. And, um, and I was going to come up to Bodega Bay to film her. Right. And I have this little baby. So I'm, I'm still taking my sertraline, my 200 milligrams and like have my baby. I'm in graduate school. Dr. Shoshana Bennett just said, yes, I'm not a filmmaker. And then all of a sudden I got so scared that, um, if I started to talk about it, um, that all that, that, um, thing that was going to take my life was going to come back. Um, so it started around six months that I was going to start working on a project, a documentary. And then, um, I got frightened and I stopped and I didn't pick up that idea, um, for another like year, like two years, three years. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and she wrote me back and I was going to meet her. And then I never returned her call. <laughs> I was like, I'm not like, I was just sure. Like I would invoke that, that feeling back mm -hmm. and I don't ever want to feel what I felt um, again. Yeah. So your background is. So I was in school. I I'm like, I call myself a professional volunteer. <laughs> like, I've been an AmeriCorps volunteer. I was a Girl Scout with Gold Award. I was a Peace Corps volunteer twice. I had my own nonprofit called the Global Scholarship Fund when I was like 28 um, to send girls to school in marginal communities. Um, so when I got pregnant, um, I was gonna. I was on the path to work at the UN. I was wanted to work for the UN or USAID. I wanted to work. Um, and equity and gender stuff. And then um, this happened. I was in school for master's of public administration. So I was learning all about like evaluations and, and capacity building, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I fell apart so publicly and like so, so bad. Um, so I have, that was my skill set was nonprofits and international development. Them. So you, are you, I didn't know that either. Amazing. <laughs> I'm just learning so much. Um, so are you a self-taught photographer and a filmmaker? I am. So, so I've learned recently that I have ADD, um, <laughs> which is a superpower because, um, I, I do what I want to do and um, I'm used to making lots of mistakes because I my brain makes me make a lot of them um, so so picking up a camera and watching a YouTube video was um, kind of easy like that's how I learned how to make movies I would just fiddle around and I remember um, being with Jennifer Silliman my co-producer on Dark Side of the Full Moon I forget who we were going to interview maybe Cheryl Beck I don't know somebody and we're in the elevator and she's like, don't worry. It's not like we learned to do this on YouTube. 
And I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, that's exactly where I learned to do it. Like, I've never said I went to film school. Like, <laughs> this is how I learned to do it. Was just had a passion for storytelling, um, and knew that to scale a message, you have to reach the masses, and the masses can watch something. Um, so that's where all of that happened. Yeah. So I'm not really a filmmaker. I'm more, I, I use it as a tool for social change more, more than anything. But still you used your passion, your experience to drive you to learn something and make it happen, which is incredible. Um, wow. Because for our listeners that don't know, um, Maureen's the co-producer of Dark Side of the Full Moon, um, which is, was the first documentary that came out about uh, postpartum depression. How many years ago was that? It was like in 2015, um, mm -hmm. 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which honestly was not that long ago and is very still highly used for yeah. documentary screening and um, educating the public about postpartum depression and what's not being done. And uh, I think we've made slow progress since then, but I think that most of the things in that video still hold true. Um, That's what makes it so sad. You know, I went to the 2020 mom forum um, in February and a girl was up on the stage and she was talking about how she was pregnant and couldn't find help. And it was in New York. And I was like, there you go. Like it fails. We failed. That was a failure. And then hearing from Stephen Day Keel about his wife, um, which happened after the movie. I mean, the whole point of the movie was to be a call to action. Um, and that's so it's hard. It's hard to hear when the change you were looking for, um, it didn't, it didn't translate as big as you wanted it to. I mean, it was to leave it a better place and we still lost moms and these women still, um, suffered longer than they had to. And so that part is really frustrating and that's yeah. why I just can't seem to let this go. You know, yeah. I wish I could, <laughs> just, I can't move on until I feel it's better. Yeah. 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 I think that's a maternal mental health advocate right there. Um, we, and me and um, Kay Matthews were talking about this too. You know, there's so many days we just would like to give it up and because uh, it gets hard. And I think from the outside looking in, it looks, she, I mean, even she was saying it looks glamorous and oh. it is not the case at all. There are many days I would love to go work at Target. And I even said this in the last episode, it'd be great to go work at Target. And, um, yeah, I wish I could be normal, like not normal, but like put on, you know, like go work for someone or, I mean, there's, we don't make money doing this. No. That's and probably a misconception. Like, like I just remember this. I, I was normal. I was normal, and then I wasn't. And like, I remember um, really understanding firsthand 
how important your mind was. I have always had the best self-talk, you know, I feel like I have angels always guiding me. And this one time in my life, um, I could always see the light at the end of the tunnel. And at this one juncture, that was gone. Um, and, and for the first time, my brain was saying, it's never going to get better. You're, you're never going to get better. It, you will never feel joy again. You will never, you will never be normal again. Like, and I remember thinking, breathing just hurt to breathe. Like, and I was just holding on. Like, I remember understanding the word faith really for the first time ever in my life. Like, it's like holding on. I remember seeing it on a sign and I was like, oh my God. It's like, you have to believe that something's there even though you cannot even imagine. Like, I just had to, I could, I just couldn't even. I just remember trying to feel better to walk a car length, you know, fake it till you make it. What a joke. Um, and I was like, I can do it for a car length, like walking with my dad. Uh, okay. For a car length, I'm going to feel like I'm better. And I could only do it for a car for one car. I could only do it. And, and then maybe a break, you know, it was, so this just left such an impression on me of, um, feeling so unsafe. And, and I share this, that, um, I have a son, the one that I was pregnant with, um, and he has a mood disorder and he was diagnosed when he was five and, um, he's 11 and, um, he takes an SSRI. And, um, so like my family, we still deal with the repercussions of, that lack of care that I didn't get for the length of time I didn't get it. Um, his little brain and body were being flooded with cortisol, flooded, flooded, flooded. Um, which is another reason I can't let it go because, you know, his little amygdala is so big and his little fight or flight is, is so sensitive, you know? Um, and like, so I, I, I think that's why I can't drop this, you know? Like I know that what it does to a, a child and to the mother. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is key right there is, you know, we care so like as advocates, we push for so much for the mom, but I think it's because we care about what happens to those kids too. Um, because as society, we put so much emphasis on those children that we forget about the care of the mom and yeah. that's where we're heading and but that's what we're trying to fix is yeah let's take care of the moms too because, because a lot she of these impacts the babies mm -hmm. we take care of those but our bodies are putting together those babies you yeah. have to take care of this. you have to i think a lot of these things organizations and services that are popping up now could be <laughs> could be prevented if um we took care of the parents and took care of the moms yeah. um that's so right so mm -hmm. fast forward a little bit or go, continuing on your journey yeah yeah Holly, you've done so much um because now you have moms well yeah and tell me or tell us how yeah. that came to be. 
Oh gosh, did you hear that? <laughs> um, so Moms Well started uh, two years ago. I had been working with Joy at 2020 Mom doing the maternal mental health campaign um, for like four years. And I was just like, how many, how many, we don't need to talk about it anymore. I was so sick of just talking about it. It was like, how, how can we capture the attention more? Like, how can we raise awareness more? And I just wasn't seeing the impact um, anymore. It wasn't making doctors screen her anymore. It wasn't making doctors figure it out anymore. Like, it just wasn't equaling the change that I really wanted to see. And I had gone to an ACOG conference and heard somebody um, a spokesperson for ACOG speak. And I found them, it was really offensive. Um, the woman said that uh, she was drinking and there was a woman present who had lost her daughter to suicide. Um, Kay Matthews was there who lost her baby. Um, you know, all of us advocates. And this woman was just kind of so nonchalant and like, well, how can we get our doctors to care and I just left that meeting feeling like, okay, no, nothing's going to happen. They're sending you, number one, to ask these stupid questions again. How can we, can we get our doctors to screen? And um, Adrian Griffin and I were like, if you don't want to talk about it, put up, a, put up a poster. Like, you don't even have to talk about it. Just put the poster up. Um, so I was at a play date with um, my son and his little friend, Alex, and the mom was sitting there and I was like, I went to ACOG and she was like, I was at ACOG. And I was like, oh, I was there for, um, you know, to talk about maternal mental health. And um, I said, women are going to die. That's just the bottom line. They're going to die because um, they don't want to talk about this. Uh, they want to talk about everything else and this isn't in their wheelhouse. So that's what's going to happen now. And I was ready to kind of like pull back from awareness. Um, I was going to do like an art installation. I, that was my next thing. I was going to pull back from 2020 mom and do like a immersive art um, installation that I would put up at ACOG where you walk into a room and you could hear all these thoughts and you can see all these images. So like maybe that would work with doctors. I just wanted to get them to do something. And Melissa leaned in, and I remember she leaned in, and she was like, what? Like, well, I think we can fix them not screening. And I was like, what? And she gets up, and she runs to her husband, Georgie, and she's like, Georgie, can we fix this? <laughs> like, he's like a tech guy. He's like a tech wizard and has a tech company that works with OBGYNs. And um, right there, they started sketching it out on their kitchen whiteboard, um, yeah, a doctor could screen like this and it could go here. And I was like, can it say this? Can you talk in this non-stigmatizing way? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh, and it could it point women to these things that we already know exist? Um, yeah. Um, can you tell a doctor how to talk about it? Yeah, there could be a pop-up. And so it just was made in that moment and, and they made it so easy. Like they solved it. Like, Melissa said, you know, we built a better mousetrap. And that's basically what they did. Is like they built a better way to screen, a better way to detect, a better way to refer moms who might be suffering from maternal mental health complication. They addressed every barrier, which was they didn't have time to screen. Now they don't have to screen. Like the tech does it for you in the office. 
Um, they don't know where to send her. Uh, we do, and don't worry about it because she'll get a patient portal that connects her to all of that. And then um, you you don't know what to say. We have scripts in there just in case you don't know how to say, I'm sorry, this is happening. Um, we're going to get you help. So that's what um, we created from that moment. Finally, a tool. Finally, like, you, you, you won't want to do it for all these reasons. Well, now here you go. Here you go. There's now you have no more excuses. We made it so easy for you. Um, and we did like, it's so easy. And doctors think it's so easy and they really like it because it's so easy. Uh, amazing. I think it's amazing. Um, trying to get. Well, and then, uh, well, then we realized too. So we, we went into it thinking like it was just the providers we were trying to help. Right. So we were like, Oh, I just got to help the providers. But then there's this huge disconnect with like, well, you have to help the, you have to help the woman too, because um, you can give her a piece of paper, but it's not going to make her call. You could give her a digital portal, but it's not going to make her engage with it. I mean, depression is a beast. Anxiety is a beast. Like motherhood mixed with all of that new motherhood is a beast. You're telling yourself, um, it's not going to get better. I'm not worth it. Um, I'm not that sick. Um, I'll just white knuckle it. Like this baby deserves better than me. So we had to create levers to pull that could support her too. Like not only were we supporting the doctor, but we, we had to rethink the way we were um, talking and working with a mom as well to get her into care. That was just as equally important and, and another huge problem to solve. Awesome. I think it's an incredible tool that um, really more providers should know about and utilize and, you know, even partner with outside organizations locally uh, to be able to make it happen. Um, I think it's amazing because um, even when uh, moms screen, y'all have that one month of free therapy. Yeah. Right? The life which, preserver. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. Uh, absolutely incredible. Um, and we have text nudges. So mom's getting these little nudges like every week and a couple times a week that say like, Hey, there's a free support group happening. It might be really helpful for you to go, Hey, here's a site that does like free listening. Hey, here's a site that moms really enjoy that shows survivor stories might make you feel good. Hey, here's a podcast that some moms really find helpful. It's just like, how can we hold her up until she's ready to engage and, and feeling better? Like, how can we help help her? And so you can really localize it. So whichever provider is using it nationwide, you can make sure they know about the local resources in each individual area. So they're getting those nudges appropriately. Um, so they know about those local support groups or those local organizations or whatever, right? Right. So like before we start in any area, um, we have to load in that local knowledge first and we work with local experts and we don't like try to overburden the local list too much. Um, we heard from 
our beta groups that that's their job is to know who the therapists are. They didn't want us to do their job for them. Um, so we make sure that we put the best local expert and that's who we connect her to and that's what's listed because um, we feel like the local knowledge is the one um, we're, we don't want to replace that, that local, that local um, expert. Um, just like, you know, I do wear many hats for PSI for Miami. Uh, we wouldn't want to list like all of the things I know about Miami. Um, we would just want to connect mom to me and I could say, oh, you have Aetna. Here are some great therapists. This one's right next to you. This one does teletherapy and speaks Spanish. Do you want me to help, you know? Um, so we tailor it all to the local um, and then connect mom to the best local that she can get connected to. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, and we have data. I mean, that's so crazy, Christina. Like, right? Like, we can see from offices the actual rate of women. We can see, like, not, not identifiable information, you know, from the women, but we can see that one-third are having thoughts of self-harm out of the ones that screen positive. In this one office, it's one in 10 women. Um, we can see that kind of data which is so rich and telling um, to actually see the numbers like right in front of mm -hmm. your face where some doctors might say, I don't have any patients. And you're like, mm, here's the data. This is what it looks like. Right. Like you can't argue right. with, with that. And that we can increase the number of women engaging in peer support. You know, like, like these women are getting callbacks. They're not just getting a piece of paper and falling through crap. Like that gives me goosebumps. I would have loved to call back. I would have loved another peer person to call me and say, hey, I heard you're having a hard time. Can I connect you with this person? And I'm going to call you back to make sure that they called you back. And then I'm going to call you back to make sure, see if it's working. Do you need another resource? You know, I would yeah. have loved that. I, would, yeah. I wouldn't have suffered for so long, you know. Right. It would have been really awesome to have yeah. that. That's amazing. Amazing. I so what do you think are the next steps for um, Mom's Well? You're so cute. Just love you so much. Um, <laughs> right now, uh, we just got a new chief medical officer, uh, a key opinion leader, amazing OBGYN, Dr. Jason James. Um, huge here in Miami, but huge nationally speaking out on this. He created a whole screening at the local hospital here for the past 10 years. So this is important to him. He gets it. Um, and he is a champion of mom's well and um, is using it. So right now we're just collecting a lot of data, a lot of data right now. So we have offices using it now here in South Florida. Um, but the idea is to scale, you know, we want providers using it. It's better than the paper. Um, we love our patient portal. It's amazing. And we love all the supports we have along the way. Um, so the next step, we see it in two parts right now, just continue to just show how it works and it works well. Um, and then to get it out to as many providers as possible so that we can get all women screened. I mean, that's what it does. We routine, it makes screening routine. Um, it makes it so easy. And women are finally like, what I love is they're all getting this message of like, um, this is, this is common. They're seeing this, they're seeing, and we're calling it emotional or checking in on your emotional well-being. So we're not using 
scary words like depression. Ah, we're like, we're talking about it in a way that makes it approachable. And we're sliding a little messages to her. Like, it's okay if you don't, you know, fall in love with your baby at first sight. Like we're giving that message to all these women. So we're making it okay. We're making it okay. We're like taking that stigma away, which can really help when you're being really critical of yourself at that moment. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm excited to see where it goes and I'm hoping that we can uh, start utilizing it in East Tennessee and um, maybe get it spread like wildfire. Um, Especially right now. I think right now is a pivotal, pivotal time um, in the maternal health and maternal mental health space where we're seeing more and more going to virtual and digital and um, who knows. Um, So, uh, so what two things before we close, uh, what would you say to a mother who is struggling, especially during this time as we hold that in mind as well? Oh man, it's hard. Um, I would say I, it's hard. It's really, I feel it. Um, I would say definitely reach out for help. Um, I would say you will feel like you again, you might think that you won't, um, you will. And, um, I know it doesn't make sense now, but, um, there is a beauty in all of this. I can tell you that when you get better, um, when I am with that child that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to be his mom, you know, it wasn't guaranteed that I was going to make it through. Um, those moments are so special with him and getting to hold his hand, getting to cuddle with him means so much to me every day. I never take him that that relationship for granted with him because I know it wasn't promised. So, um, you're a great mom. You're a great mom. And it's okay to ask for help. Please ask for help. And you will feel like you again, even if your brain and your brain's lying too, just so you know that, like that message. I have talked to so many women and it's, it's not even original this message is like not even creative or unique. Like what a loser because all of us have the same messages in our head. So just know that too. Um, it's like the same recording in all of us. So it's not even original and you will get better. You take that first step for sure. You're worth it. You're so worth it. And it feels so good to be a mother. It feels so good. It should feel good. It's supposed to feel good. It will feel good. It is. Absolutely. Thank you. And second, um, what would you tell an advocate that mm-hmm. is continuing this work? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard. hard to. <laughs> it's so hard. Take care of yourself. Make sure you take care of yourself. Keep your eye on what your vision is and um, you know what you're working for. Um, don't wait for other people. Um, to give you the validation. I mean, if we are in this, you're doing it. You have to be very self-validating. And, and gosh, 
I don't know. I feel like I need your advice because, you know, I always feel like I'm failing at it. <laughs> no, you're not. I just, them, I just keep the vision. I just keep tweaking. I'm just, I just keep tweaking. I look for more data, keep trying to tweak until, and, and be, speak out with other advocates because, I mean, we don't, you're not getting paid for it, you know. It's don't hard. give up. Don't give keep up. that vision of what you're working for, though, for sure. Like, I see it in my head. It's a mom who moves through the pipeline so seamlessly and gets better within two weeks. Like she's got everything at her disposal. That's my vision. And I'm just going to hold it. That's what I'm working for. And then once I can get there and check that off my list, then maybe I can move on. I think. No. <laughs> Christina's shaking her head now. <laughs> There'll be something else. <laughs> Pick up guitar and form a band because, you know, find things that feed your soul. Yeah. yeah. You have Boundaries are important and don't give up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Maureen, for joining us. And we're going to end on that note. And you guys out there, stay safe, stay well. And we'll see you next time.